Grab your Bibles. Anybody remember what book we're in? Ruth. I like that. That was quick. The book of Ruth. And what are we learning from the Word of God? We're learning that the plan of God that we studied in Ephesians chapter 1 is throughout the Bible. Amen? It shows up over and over and over again. I'm excited about that. I'm going to stay back a little bit today. Generally, I get so close that the people in the front row would have to twist their neck to get to see me. And uh, I like to be able to see their eyes. I like them to be able to see mine. Amen? Praise God. Is it just me or is it hot in here? What was that? <laughs> Nathan, I tell you, I appreciate the fact that you turned me on the computer, son, but I tapped on this thing, and instead of my sermon coming up, it said, how may I help you? <laughs> what can I help you with? Go ahead, I'm listening. <laughs> Stop listening. <laughs> okay, praise God. Ruth chapter 2, God's amazing grace. Last week, we were studying in chapter 1, and here's what I've done with you. I've spoiled you. I've, I'm, I'm at the point where I realize I've spoiled you. You remember what I told you what Elimelech's name was, what it meant in Hebrew? You remember? You remember? What was it? My God is king, right? So we know that Elimelech's parents, evidently Elimelech's parents, they, they must have loved God. They gave him a powerful name. My God is king. Elimelech means, in Hebrew, my God is king. And what did we learn about Naomi's name? Anybody remember that? Meant pleasantness. Naomi's name meant pleasantness, right? And then later, after Elimelech makes the decision to move his entire family to the devil's territory. To the devil's territory. And Elimelech dies, and both of her sons die, and she changes her name to Mara. Do you remember what that means? Bitterness. Well, now, why can you remember that? <laughs> Someone said to me, well, what about Malon? What about Chilean? What about their names? What do, what do they mean? So, see, I've spoiled you. I, I've taught you what names mean, and I've dug them up out of the Hebrew. So now I've got to tell you what Malon means and what Chilean means. And it's unnerving to me. And I'll tell you why it's unnerving. It was bad enough that we saw that Elimelech's name meant my God is king, but Malon's name meant song or joyful song. Song or joyful song, and Chilean's name meant perfection or perfectness. And both of these boys followed their father and died in the devil's territory. 
they died in the devil's land, right? Well, you say, how do you know that they died in the devil's land? Well, Moab was under a curse. Moab had mistreated Israel for 18 years. They enslaved Israel and made their lives miserable. Why in the world Elimelech picked Moab to go to? None of us can ever figure, really. We can't figure it out, you know. But Elimelech died, Malon died, Chilion died, and there were two girls that had married those two boys, and so you ended up with three widows. You had a father, a mother, and two sons that went to Moab, and now all three of the men are dead, and you've got three widows. Now, ten years have passed, right? And, and in Bethlehem, which in Hebrew means what? House of bread. How fitting, because the bread of life, Jesus Christ, was born in Bethlehem, in the house of bread, right? And Elimelech, instead of staying around in Bethlehem to see what God would do about the famine that was in the land, he went to the enemy's territory where he thought he would be blessed, where he thought he would prosper, and he died. He found death. That's what people do when they try to do things and handle things their own way, they find death. So, Limlech's dead. Malon's dead. Chilean's dead. But we know that back home, there's a man named Boaz in Bethlehem, and he's prospered quite nicely. The famine's over. The, the, the crops are being harvested. People are being fed. God's hand of blessing was there. Amen. And even the attack on the land through famine did not last. It didn't last. It just didn't last. Naomi is left a widow, and she charges and changes her name to Mara, which means bitterness. Naomi all of a sudden decides to return to Bethlehem, the house of bread. Naomi's two daughter-in-laws, Ruth, and I'm not even mentioning the other one's name. I, I never did look her name up. That's why you're going to ask me later, what's her name mean? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't look. Naomi has two daughters-in-law from Moab. One of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, decides to go with Naomi. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for where you go I will go, and where you lodge I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. So Ruth left her family, she left her friends, she left her pagan gods, and decided to serve the God of Israel and go with Naomi. Folks, listen to me. In the natural, she had no business doing this. Now, I'll tell you why. She's Moabite. She's under a curse. We read that curse in Deuteronomy last week when we were, this is just the refresher on what unfolded last week. But Moab and the Moabites were under a curse from God. And, and in that curse, they were never to enter the house of the Lord. And what we talked about was the decisions that people make in life. Elimelech decided to go to Moab, took his family there. When it was all said and done and Elimelech was dead and his two sons were dead and Naomi decided to go back to Bethlehem, Ruth wanted to go with her. And so there was Ruth's first big major decision that she made. And you remember what I said, if we're willing to make the tough big decisions, it will take care of a lot of little ones. So what happened when Ruth decided to return to Bethlehem with Naomi? 
a lot of little things got taken care of. But that was an important decision. And I'll tell you why. When she decided to go back to Bethlehem with Naomi and she chose God, the God of Israel, to rule her life, here was a Moabite under a curse. Her life was crushed. She was a widow. She really had no, no great prospects in this world or in this life. But when she decided to follow God, she entered into the lineage of Christ himself in the flesh, it says, in the flesh. She was the grandmother of Jesse, who was the father of David, all because of that quality decision. And it not only affected her. Here's what I failed to tell you last week, and I'm so sorry. It affected everybody in the room. It affected everyone in the body of Christ. Everyone, right? You know, here she was, anybody in the world with an understanding of God and the, and the curses God could put on a group, she did not belong. She was under a curse just like me and you. It is a perfect example of grace working in the body of Christ even in the Old Testament. And I can't say the body of Christ because the body of Christ wasn't there yet. But yet, God responded to Ruth with amazing grace. Amazing grace. Amen? In Bethlehem, Ruth meets a man named Boaz. And the, the name Boaz means in him, with a capital H, in him is strength. Boaz means in him is strength. Boaz is a mighty man, a wealthy man, a noble man. Ruth and Boaz eventually get married. You know the story, right? One of the greatest stories in the Bible. And Boaz buys back the lost estate of her former husband, Malon. Ruth becomes an ancestor according to the flesh of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's refresh this real quick before we move forward. Elimelech represents the nation of Israel and in its state that it was in. If you read the last verse of Judges, the last chapter, the last verse, it says that, there was n that people did what was right in their own sight. They did anything they wanted to do. And that's what rolled directly into Ruth chapter 1, right? Elimelech turns back on his faith and on his Lord and goes into exile where he dies. He self-imposed exiled himself. I don't understand that. Pleasantness, Naomi, is turned to bitterness, and the song ceases and perfection is gone. Naomi now represents a remnant coming back home in bitterness. Ruth is a Gentile bride. Back in, in the Old Testament, if you weren't a Jew, you weren't anything. Really. If you were a Gentile, you just, you know, God had carved out the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, and he was focused on it. And yet, here's this Gentile under a curse, who makes a quality decision, and she, it says that she cleaves to Naomi. Let me tell you what that meant in Hebrew. She hung on to Naomi, and she would not let go. That's how we ought to be with God, amen? No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the circumstances say, no matter what happens, no matter what we believe has gone wrong, how many of you know we're not smart like God is smart? 
Amen? He knows the end of a matter 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 50 years down the road, and on ad infinitum. Amen? God knows. And I'm telling you, I've told you before, and I'll testify again, I allowed myself in the past to get so angry with God I couldn't see straight, right? Only to have God show me within a period of time, and I'll tell you, a reasonable period of time. It wasn't unreasonable. Sometimes it was within minutes. <laughs> he showed me how wrong I was, right? What does your pastor try to tell you? God, if need be, will put food on your table. I'm living proof of that. I'm living proof. I should have set the table. Instead, I yelled at God. Got mad at him. And then there's a knock on the door, and the guy who runs the general manager for a grocery store chain brings food to my house. He doesn't know me. We've never met before in my life. He said, I, I, he said, I hope I'm not offending you. But God told me this morning when I drove by at 7 a.m. this evening, this evening, this evening, not go get the groceries and bring them right back so he won't worry. You understand what I'm saying? God brought the groceries in his time, but guess what? It was before Ruth and my baby got home, my pregnant wife and my baby got home, and she found food on the table. And I'm telling you, God put it there. Can you imagine what it would have been like for that man who did not want to offend me what if he had disobeyed God? God would have just went to somebody else. There's no telling how many people that day missed out on a blessing that I can't refer to without it touching me down deep inside. Amen? Boaz, whose name means in him is strength, represents Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer. In Luke chapter 24, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What had happened? Jesus Christ had died on the cross for our sins. He'd been resurrected, and he, became, uh, a walk, he came walking down the road and met up with two people, disciples. And as they walked together that whole day, he expounded to them all the places in the Old Testament where Jesus was referred to, right? Well, Jesus is represented throughout the Old Testament. Can you say amen? So the theme in Ruth chapter 2 is grace. Can you say amen? In Ruth chapter 2, verse 2, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 10, Ruth had met Boaz. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. There are wonderful truths about grace that we find in the book of Ruth. First point, it's a saving grace. How many of you say, well, you know, that, that's pretty simple, Brother Dennis. I want to show you the different shades of grace. I want to show you the different types of grace because they show up in Ruth chapter 2. 
Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. At this moment, what did that have to do with Ruth? Even though all kinds of things were going to happen in Ruth's life because of Boaz, her kinsman redeemer. I'll tell you one of the most powerful truths is, this is what I call saving grace. Ruth is about to meet Boaz, who would become her redeemer and savior in the physical realm. Ruth was a pagan. She also, she was also weakened in a weakened condition due to the famine. As a Moabite, she's under a curse. She is a widow with nothing to commend her. Ruth is crushed because her husband has died. She's condemned because the law says there is a curse upon her, and the law excluded her. But grace is going to include her. Now, you know the story. I can't help it. i got to jump ahead just a little bit. I get so excited I can hardly stand it. Think about this with me for a minute. She decides, she says to Naomi, let me go to the field. You know, because there was a law in Israel that the corners of the field would not be cut. They would be left for poor people or for people that had no food. And literally, the harvesters were ordered to drop grain on the ground. And poor people could go to the corners of the field and they could gather food and then they could travel across the field and gather more food, right? It was a law in Israel. And Israel honored it, Boaz especially, right? So Ruth makes a decision to go to the field to collect this grain for her and for Naomi. This is what I call the grace of God. It's so powerful. Ruth went to the field as a poor person. And soon she would own the field that she went to as a poor person to gather grain at. Soon God had a plan, and soon not only could she gather, she would own the field. She would marry Boaz, and she would, that would be her property. She went from a woman under a curse in a land of pagans she embraced Naomi and she embraced the God of Israel and God unfolded a plan for her life because of the decision she made look think about this with me and I'm not even going to know if I can make this clear enough for you look how many of you know you can put yourself in a position where it's easy to sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you make a decision ahead of time, the big decision, I'm just not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to do that over and over and over and over and over again. No, no. The decisions made that even, you know, in this world, you can find yourself facing what might have been a huge temptation in your life earlier that's not anymore because somewhere along the line, you made a quality decision not to subject yourself to that, not to give in to that, and not be victimized by it. Amen? How many times have we said it? Ruth has made a decision now that's totally and completely changed your life. You never know what decision you're going to make ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? But you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it when you see it. Amen? cleave to God let the grace of God work for you people people treat grace like it is some kind of ticket to sin God will forgive me God loves me 
let, let me tell you something without being negative at all. You know, I could tell you that you, you, you know you shouldn't play that game. Amen? That's dangerous, right? But here's the secret to grace. It's like a two-sided coin. Grace, the shed blood of Jesus, covers our sins. Can you say amen? The other side of the coin is if you will press in, it has the power to keep you from sin. You just got to want it. Do you realize that some people don't want that? They'd rather believe that I can do anything I want, anytime I want, God's going to wink. I'm telling you, that's dangerous. And the body of Christ, if we're going to be the church in the last days that I believe we need to be, we need to stop playing that game. That's what God's saying to me, right? If it's good enough for me, it should be good enough for you. Amen? God can't play. Amen? Got to get serious with God. I believe that's what Ruth did. There was a law in Israel known as the law of the kinsman redeemer. If a man were to die without having children, perhaps lost his estate, a near relative could redeem that estate, buying back the land that was lost. Are you seeing a pattern here? Did we not lose something through Adam and Eve? Did not our kinsman redeemer get it back for us? Amen. Boaz is a picture of Christ. Duh. <laughs> Amen. All right. He was from Bethlehem, as was the Lord Jesus. He was a near kinsman to Ruth, as Jesus is a near kinsman to us, right? Boaz was a wealthy man. Jesus was a rich man of heavenly riches. Amen? Man, it just goes on and on and on. The, the Redeemer had to be wealthy enough and able to redeem with no obligations against him. I think that describes Jesus pretty well. Amen? Boaz was willing to redeem just as the Lord Jesus was willing to redeem. Boaz went to the fields where Ruth was. And you know what? This, this is a powerful thing. Um, Boaz went to the fields where Ruth was just as Jesus comes to where we are. And if you read the account in chapter 2, we don't have time to, to, to nitpick or bone pick this thing, though it's a powerful thing. If you go back and really read through Ruth chapter 2, you find Boaz, this wealthy man, maybe the wealthiest man in all of Bethlehem. And he comes to the field, and you know what he does? Hangs out with the workers. <laughs> does it sound familiar? Didn't Jesus come and hang out with the common man? Amen? Isn't that exciting? Jesus came and hang out with the common man. Boaz came, hang out with the reapers and, the, you know, those guys that were working in the field. He hung out with them, and he noticed Ruth, and he asked about her. And the guys bragged on her for the way she took care of Naomi. Right? I'm, that's powerful. All right. The second type of grace that we're going to discuss is sovereign grace. Sovereign grace. And, and that, that sovereign grace is best described by that welfare program that Israel had where poor people could come and eat. Amen? Ruth went into the fields to glean what she could. We can see God's hand in this. Ruth and Naomi went back to Bethlehem just in time for the barley harvest. Ruth unknowingly goes into the field of Boaz to glean. That's just the grace of God, right? And then the sovereign God of grace is revealed in the direction God just sent her to the right field. Amen? Look, look, that's the hand of God. That is the sovereign grace of God. It works in our lives. Amen? What have we said about the sovereign works of God? 
God doesn't need us. God could come down, and he can do anything he wants, anytime he wants, right? But he set it up to work through the prayers of his people and through his people, but he doesn't stop being sovereign. It doesn't take anything away from his sovereignty. And trust me, his sovereignty is working in this world. It works in our lives every day. We just don't know it. Zigged instead of zagged, turned right instead of turning left. I don't know, and I don't care. All I know is God loves me, and I'm not second-guessing everything all the time. I have the peace that passes all understanding, knowing that a sovereign God has his hand on my life, just like he had his hand on the life of Ruth. I think I'll just step back and lift my hands to the Lord. Because where I come from, that was shouting news. <laughs> I'll just shout by myself. Amen. Praise God. All right. God has a plan, and he's moving everything so that Ruth shows up at just the right time when Boaz is there. How convenient our God is. Amen. In a similar way, God rules over our circumstances to put us in a situation where we can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. What did we learn last week? We're free to choose. Amen? We're free to choose. We're not free not to choose. You got to choose. You may say, no, I don't want to accept the Lord today. You know, I don't want to make that decision. today. Oh, so you're rejecting Christ. No, I'm, I'm just choosing not to accept him today. No, no. You either accept Jesus Christ when the offer is laid out to you or you're rejecting him. Now, you may get another chance. Amen? What do we know? We're free to choose. We're not free not to choose. Everyone has to choose one way or the other. Amen? And we're not free to choose the, the results of those decisions. Amen? We're not free. If you decide to step out of a window on a 10th floor of a building, you don't get to choose the consequences. Amen? Gravity takes over. You're going to hit the bottom. Well, that's what life is like. You know, look, I, I, I tell you, I have had the opportunity in my lifetime, because I want to make this very clear, I've found myself saying a lot of negative things about abortion recently, about abortion, and uh, I found myself saying it a lot, you know. But listen to me carefully. I'm not a fan, right, of abortion. I'm not. But I want to tell you what I've had the... Um, distinction of doing is being able to counsel a lot of women who've had them in the past to help them in Jesus name get past it amen because you can get past it amen and and God wants them to get past that I, I'm telling you nothing hardly in this world breaks my heart like trying to help a sister who's had one in the past and they're living under a terrible dark cloud that God does not want them to live under. So that's your pastor, all right? But having said that, let me explain this. And I remember talking to a young couple who decided they weren't going to have their baby. They just decided together, you know. So I'm talking to them about this. They're talking to me. And you say to them, so you... What, what he, well, we decided not to have this baby. I said, let me make something very clear to you. <clears throat> you're choosing. You're making a choice. You're making a decision. So 
It doesn't change the fact that you're going to have a baby. It's just a question of whether you're going to have a live one or a dead one. Just because you decided not to have it doesn't just make it go away. Right now, look. What I'm thankful for today, having said that, because, listen, it's not just about abortion. It's about just about every decision we make in life. If we make a decision in life that is separate from God's direction, God's help, God's word, and we make the wrong decision, the consequences you cannot choose. You have no choice over those consequences. But I will stand here to you today, with you today, and tell you, thank God for grace Thank God for his love. Thank God for his care. Thank God for his healing. Amen. Amen. You know, don't let the decisions you've made in your life bury you. It was too late for Elimelech. It was too late for his two sons. But it wasn't too late for Naomi. There was breath in her body. And it wasn't too late for Ruth. I feel sorry for the sister-in-law who chose to stay in the pagan land with her pagan gods where there was no hope, right? Listen to me carefully. I don't care. Look, it isn't just about abortion. It isn't just about women. You know, it's, it's about all of us, amen? I've made decisions that would freak you out if you only knew. But guess what? Yours are none of my business. Mine are none of your business. Right? It's between me and God and you and God. But I will tell you, it becomes my business if I, if I perceive in my life and praying for you that you're allowing these things to bury you. It becomes, I'm your pastor. I love you. God's given me a pastor's heart for you. I'm praying for you because, it, look, look, it, it's just about everybody in life is affected by what I'm talking about. But we've got to trust God. Amen? God wants to bring us out of the woods, so to speak. He wants to bring us out of the muddy water. Amen? He wants to bring us out of the fire. Amen? He wants to set our feet on higher ground. Amen? It's going to be okay. Just be tenacious like Ruth. Cling and do not let go. Can you say amen? All right. What other type of grace is is there here? It is seeking grace. So we're talking about saving grace, sovereign grace, and seeking grace. What's my proof? In Ruth chapter 2, verses 4 through 8, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, this is is sovereign grace. Amen. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Boaz is reaching out like God reaches out to us. Amen? Boaz comes to the field where the servants are, and he takes upon himself the form of a servant. He's hanging out with the workers like Jesus did. Amen? 
Boaz notices Ruth and asks about her. Jesus loved us before we ever loved him. We have no evidence at the point of this scripture that Ruth even knew Boaz was alive. Before she knew Boaz was alive, he was asking about her. He was reaching out to her the way God reaches out to us. Can you say amen? Jesus loved us before we loved him. Boaz takes the initiative. Ruth could not. Not yet. Ruth couldn't. She didn't even know who he was. And she was a Moabite under a curse. How many times I got to say it? She was just like the rest of us Gentiles before we met Jesus. Amen? Ruth is a woman, and a woman could not approach a man in those days. Ruth was bankrupt, but Boaz was wealthy. Ruth was a pagan. Boaz was an Israelite. Ruth is of low caste. Boaz is a mighty man. Ruth was gleaning in the fields, and Boaz owned the fields. <laughs> Ruth is a picture of us. 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. Romans 5 and 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. God speaks to us through Scripture. God speaks to us through song. God even speaks to us through suffering. Not my favorite. God speaks to us through his servants. God takes the initiative and he speaks to us. The last type of grace, and this is the thing about grace that's amazing. It's a satisfying grace. It's a satisfying grace. In Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Drink with the rest of the Israelites. Amen? Drop down to verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. He is waiting on her. This Moabite woman, the richest man in town, now is waiting on He's serving her. Amen. When she arose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. He ended up leaving her more than she could even carry, more than she could hope for. Boaz made sure that Ruth was protected and cared for. He allowed Ruth to stay in his field. He told her to help herself to all that his workers had. He told his workers to leave extra grain for her. He invited Ruth to eat at the table and to eat until she was satisfied. He gave her plenty of provision to take home to Naomi. One day, unbeknownst to Ruth, she would own all of it. She would own it all. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says, Blessed are the meek, 
for they shall inherit the field. <laughs> Amen. They shall inherit the earth. All that Boaz had would become Ruth's. The next type of grace is it's a securing grace. Ruth chapter 2 verses 9. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Isn't that satisfying? And Ruth, in verse 21, And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all of the harvest. Which means you're going to take care of her. Even, what, why are you out there harvesting? So that you have food for the time to come. Boaz is taking care of her now into the future. Boaz charges his workers not to harm Ruth, but to protect her and to take care of her. Ruth has come under the wings of grace of the Almighty. When we come to our kinsman redeemer, the Lord Jesus, we are not only saved, we're satisfied, but we are also secure. Can you say amen? In Jude, it's one chapter, verse 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I like the books of the Bible that end with amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. God is not only able to take care of you now, he's able to move it right on into the future. Do you know for God, the future is nothing. It, God knows the end of a matter already. He knows the beginning. He is the beginning. He is the end. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Conclusion. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We're, we're, we're starting to fall in love with Ephesians, aren't we? <laughs> if we weren't already in love with it, we're, we, we love it now. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. So we've talked about God's amazing grace. It's a saving grace. It's a sovereign grace. It's a seeking grace. It's a satisfying grace. And it is a securing grace. Can you say amen? You know, I find myself cringing inside sometimes i stand before you and and what an awesome responsibility this is to break open the bread of life and to share it uh it's very humbling and sometimes i talk about some very distressful things i know that i understand that but never ever forget this we're, we're not supposed to run around all the time making decisions that mess things up but we do have a god to talk to about it amen and he knows Amen. All that we need to live with is an expectation that if we go to Father and this grace is poured out on us yet again, 
yet again and yet again and yet again. Amen? It should always be accompanied with our prayer that God will help us not go back to the same barn and get kicked by the same mule all over again. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Just don't go back to that barn. Don't get kicked by that same mule. Amen? That's a good thing. That may be the most important thing I've said today. You know, repentance is a beautiful thing. Repentance. And, and you ask people what repentance means, and a lot of people tell you it means asking God to forgive us. And you're not going to find that definition anywhere in the Bible. Repentance means you stop doing what you were doing. That's what repentance means. It means you're so sorry for what you were doing, you stop doing it. That's repentance, amen? But as American Christians, we've got that messed up. We'd much rather trust grace than have to change, amen? I will tell you this. I don't know of a time in my life that when I've made a decision and I've said, Father, I I'm saying this with the help of your Holy Spirit, enough is enough. I'm not going back. I'm not going there again. I'm telling you, the time between then and the time that God reveals to you his response to that is never as long as you think it's going to be. It's going to be a lot quicker than you think it is, right? Now, God knows when you said that whether you meant it or not. You know what I'm saying? You know, we not only need to be honest with ourselves and God, you know, we need to be honest with God and we need to be honest with ourselves. And we need to let God be God in our lives. And I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong in any of our lives, all of our lives put together that God can't fix. Amen? And God wants to fix it. Amen? It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Amen? Look to the right of you. Look to the left of you. All right? Look around. And I'm going to tell you this one more time. At the people you love. God put us together. Amen? You know, you're it. Look around you. You're it. You know, the, the dust is settled. We've moved on with God. Can you say amen? And everything's going to be okay. Right?